You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. everyone and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. So uh, Log4Shell hit us uh, on a Friday evening. Um, we almost immediately started seeing spike in uh, what looked like exploit attempts for it and started getting down to identifying the ways of blocking those uh, attacks. That's Tushar Rikabadas. He's a senior product marketing manager at Barracuda. The research we're discussing today is titled Threat Spotlight, Attacks on log-for-shell vulnerabilities. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. It was a bit of an evolving situation given that there were multiple vulnerabilities that were being targeted. So um, it took a few days to get a hold on everything given that the disclosures happened slowly. But we were soon in good shape and we were able to identify and block these uh, vulnerabilities. Well, let's uh, go through the research here together. Uh, One of the things that you highlight is uh, where these attacks are coming from. So... The majority of attacks always look like they come from the U.S. This, again, is because attackers just need a bunch of IPs to rotate through. They need machines to infect from. So a lot of the traffic ends up coming from some hosting provider or the other. In fact, um, there there are a few persistent IPs that don't show up in this list because they don't make up that much traffic. But then after looking at the data for so long, we almost instinctively know that this one is coming from this cloud provider and has been 
trying this same payload for a very long time and for some reason it hasn't been shut down yet uh in terms of the others um it was a little surprising to see uh so much um, traffic originating from japan we normally don't see that in our uh, traffic patterns but outside of that nothing massively uh different from uh previous vulnerabilities like uh, the exchange vulnerabilities and so on now help me understand here this is uh, sort of the first step of of a multi-step process where um you know these initial intrusions would come from these ip addresses but then payloads would would likely come from somewhere else yes the initial uh, uh access it looks like it uh, the attack itself will come from one specific aws machine but the payload itself will be delivered from some other website that has been compromised to host uh, the payload well, let's go through some of the uh, examples that you all have here in the research. I have to say, as, as I was reading through, I, uh, I laughed out loud on the first one here. I'm just going to quote the research. It says, for the first one, let's look at a relatively benign or, depending on your viewpoint, very annoying payload. What, what exactly did you find here? <laughs> so uh, it, it is interesting to see someone uh, essentially pushing a recall video uh, link in the payload. Um and i had to play the video um <laughs> at the first few seconds of it um it's it, it almost seemed like uh, it was predestined but uh, yeah uh it is nice to see when you're going through an entire sea of other uh, exploits to see this one uh someone is clearly having fun yeah yeah so uh, just uh, for clarity here this one will uh, take you to a YouTube video of course playing Rick Astley's never going to give you up so so Rick rolling you which I mean I suppose if you're going to point out a vulnerability to someone that that they're uh, that they have in their system this is about as benign as a way as you can do it right Yep yep as benign as you can get <laughs> Well let's move on to uh, some more serious ones here uh, you highlighted one that had to do with crypto mining this was one of the first crypto miner payloads that we saw. Um, it was a Monero miner. It ranked quite high in the number of uh, payloads being pushed our way in the first few days. The actual payload was available on that website for quite a while before it was taken down. I think it was almost two or three weeks of it being up before it was taken down. Interestingly, it has been more or less the minor payloads have gone down. The crypto minor payloads have gone down since then. Uh, I was looking at the data just now before we got on this uh, recording and um, I noticed that uh, they're among the lower lower pushed payloads, uh, but most it's mostly that uh, Kinsing uh, malware, so, sorry, the Kinsing miner rather than Monero or uh, any other miner that was initially seen in the early days. Do you have any insights as to why that may have fallen off? I mean, is it just a matter that at the outset it was low-hanging fruit? Yeah, um, I think we still have a lot of people looking for low-hanging fruit. Uh, um, there is, if you actually look through our installations and honeypot logs, we are seeing massive amounts of noise for log for shell still. And most of it is the same payload over and over again from various sources. Uh, we are not seeing uh, very targeted attacks. So people are still being very opportunistic and just spraying and praying, essentially. 
Well, let's move on to the next example here, and this was targeting VMware installations. What did you all find here? So we didn't see too much uh, VMware um, traffic. There was a little bit, and um, I'm assuming that uh, VMware uh, installations most people don't expose them on the internet and uh, it's probably going to be more of an insider threat. Um, we saw some lower levels of uh, probing for VMware with these log4shell vulnerabilities though. I do see off and on in traffic those probes, but uh, not as much as the other payloads. And then the last one you highlight here uh, is uh, some DDoS. Right, and that is the biggest part of uh, the traffic that we see now. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at all the exploits being delivered uh, through all these uh, automated scripts right now, we are seeing a large number of uh, Mirai uh, and Mirai variants being delivered. It is quite interesting uh, given what we heard uh, yesterday about the U.S. government going after another botnet and bringing it down, uh, essentially uh, shutting down a botnet, which was probably going to DDoS, uh, be a large DDoS attack. The fact that so many people are trying to build out Mirai botnets and to use for later uh, is definitely interesting. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Um, what are your recommendations then in terms of protecting against these sorts of payloads? So the first thing is always uh, plan your upgrades. These things come out and strike you at times when you don't expect it. So you need to have defense in depth, but um, having a plan in place to upgrade your software, making sure, and it is a moving target, making sure that you are addressing that is an important part of your uh, security posture. Always, uh, As always, having that cover of a firewall, a web application firewall or a web application firewall service that can stop these types of attacks is definitely uh, useful and it also gives you that cover while you actually do the upgrades you uh, figure out your plans and so on based on on the information that you all are gathering here the, the traffic that you all are able to monitor where do you suppose we stand when it comes to log for shell vulnerabilities i mean is this is this a case where we had an initial flurry of activity and now we've We've sort of settled into a baseline, or does it come in waves? What are we looking at these days? So this is interesting, and I'll probably use another example uh, instead for this. There is this one IP uh, that comes from uh, Russian ISP that does probing uh, of various installations that we see every now and then, and it does it in waves. On one day, it will be going after the PHP vulnerability. On another day, it will be going after the Laravel vulnerability. If you look at Shellshock, the original uh, explorations stopped fairly soon. But for years later, we still see spikes in the traffic. Now, Log4Shell is essentially considered one of the biggest vulnerability complexes that are there. And then I say one of the biggest addressable uh, or exploitable uh, vulnerabilities. So I think we will see uh, continued probing in waves um, as people start looking for new ways to exploit systems. They're going to come back to log for shell and 
probably find some vulnerable installations along the way and cause havoc. It also bears to note that uh, people are getting better at patching and protecting their um, cyber installations. So you're going to see attackers look for that one hole that they can get through at all times. And in this case, log for shell is a very attractive hole. Yeah, I mean, is this a case where if someone is willing to put in the work that that it's it's achievable to have the, the defenses in place to protect against this? Yeah, if someone is willing to put in the work, it's eminently defendable. We have the upgrades required to block it. We have all the vendors have put out patches to protect against the traffic. So it's very defendable. It's a matter of uh, time and effort for the defender to get it done. Our thanks to Tushar Rikabadas from Barracuda for joining us. The research is titled Threat Spotlight, Attacks on Log4Shell Vulnerabilities. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karpf, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.